Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by Craig Jones. Craig, it's a pleasure to have you on the show once again, and I hope all is well. Hey Dan, yeah, all good over here. Um, I've got a feeling that we maybe see a little bit of drama over the weekend, on the field. Um, we didn't see quite as much as I were expecting. We've seen plenty off it, haven't we? Um, international breaks are often a popular time for, for managerial sackings. But I'm not quite sure we've had two sackings come one game after a break before, or I can't remember that anyway. Um, obviously, that's happened at Chelsea and Leicester, which we'll get into shortly. Uh, but obviously, we can't kick off the odds on podcast without a League One promotion race update, which is now the uh, the talking point of our three-way chat, me, you and Jamie. Um, Sheffield Wednesday continue to struggle. Ipswich are flying and Barnsley casually put five past Morecambe without leaving first gear, really. So, uh, all back in... Uh, all looking good in League One. You can forget the Premier League relegation battle. We are absolutely gripped on this League One promotion race. We're hooked. We want more of it. But last, and certainly not least, is Sam Tizzle. Sam, have you been on the pints of any Premier League managers, past or present, since we last spoke? Is there any Premier League managers left? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been trying to get a pint in, but they're all, they're all supposed to go on holidays. So, yeah, it's just been myself drinking solo, to be honest with you. It's a sad picture. Oh, there's nothing wrong with the old solo point, is there? Sometimes they're the best ones. But that's enough about solo points. Let's talk about betting. And with the intros out of the way, let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insight. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend, let us know via the odds on podcast hashtag. And who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Okay, where should we start first? Well, once again, we look at more managerial change at Chelsea. Graham Potter is gone, Craig, and if we look at the market for the next permanent manager, the top of the list is Julian Nagelsmann, odds of 8-11. to 11. Do you think it's now an arms race between themselves and Spurs to land the German? Yeah, I do think it is, but I also think it's worth sort of mentioning again the point that I think it was Jamie made last week, that Real Madrid could well be in the market for a new manager in sort of two months' time. Now, Nagelsmann, you know, Madrid may not want that, but if that job comes up and if they do want him... Um, then obviously he's gonna. You would think he would choose those over either team in, in England. So I get the feeling that it's a sort of a. Those two are trying to get that get the Germany in, involved, but at the same time they know there's probably a bit of time constraint because in the summer who knows who'll be looking for a job, um, who knows which clubs will be looking for a manager, and they could well include Real Madrid if if sort of the rumours are to be believed and based on what Madrid are doing at the minute. Having said all of that, I do think that if you look at the two jobs. Um, neither of the jobs are what you would call highly sought after. I think there's a big rebuild needs doing at Spurs. And I think the Chelsea job's a very strange job just because of the money that's getting thrown about. I don't think it's been really thrown about in a good way either. Um, so they're not hugely appealing, although they are probably the best two jobs available right now. Um, if you had to choose, I think most people would choose to go to Chelsea rather than Spurs. Um, but there is also the possibility of what we would call better in inverted common marks sort of jobs coming in the summer somewhere along the line so for that reason I do think Chelsea will try and get things wrapped up quickly now Sam if Chelsea are either beaten to the punch by Tottenham or decide to look elsewhere the next name on the list is Luis Enrique odds of 5-1 to one. could this be the perfect Premier League entry point for the former Spain and Barcelona manager 
potentially for Luis Enrique, I'm still not convinced that he's a good fit for Chelsea. Um, he obviously had a good spell at Barcelona, but I think a lot of the foundations were already set there. And obviously, he oversaw the MSN era. You know, that was obviously going to thrive. I think he didn't massively impress me in his two spells as the Spain manager. Um, and obviously, got to, he did get to that semi-final. But there was something about the way his team were put out. Some of his squad selections as well were questionable. I don't think he'd be a popular choice with the Chelsea fans. But to be fair, I don't think there's anything for him in Spain at this moment in time. He can't go to Real Madrid. Atletico Madrid is tied up. Barcelona job's tied up. So he's got to get himself in the door somewhere. Chelsea could probably, from his perspective, be a perfect starting point. But I, for some reason, don't think it would be a popular one with the Chelsea fans. I think they would prefer probably a Nagelsmann or something like that. Yeah. So I don't think it would go down well, as well with the Chelsea fans for some reason. Now, with that said, Craig, Bruno Sautor could well be in charge for the next 10 matches until the end of the season and could win the market in this instance because usually it's either permanent manager or 10 games in charge. He might just get over that line. So with that in mind, would you be tempted to back him and find the value here at 6-1? to one? So to sort of answer this question in two parts and then throw something completely different out there, it's going to be a complex one, this. Uh, the, the first part is I don't think he'll do 10 games right. because I think the way that Chelsea have done their business... I, they, they seem to sort of, they're wanting instant change. They're wanting instant results. They're wanting impacts. I don't see Chelsea as a team who will sort of float until the end of the season with no manager in charge. So I don't think that will happen. Um, but then if you look at this, just have a look at this from a betting point of view. And I, I appreciate I'm going probably a bit left field here. Um, if you were of the mindset that Saltor gets the job, then there are very limited routes in which he would get this job. And the most obvious to me is for Chelsea to win the Champions League. If he goes out there and wins the Champions League and, you know, gets past Real Madrid and goes on and gets past City and, you know, on course to win the Champions League, then then maybe they do give him the job. Um, just purely from a betting point of view, he's 6-1 to one to be the next Chelsea manager. Chelsea are 14-1 to one to win the Champions League and they're 7-1 to one to reach the final. My own opinion about the league is that the best he can do realistically is probably get them up to around 7th. But then if Chelsea finish seventh, is that enough of a, a good showing to give him the job, given how sort of ambitious Chelsea are? And I don't think it is. So if we're looking again, as, as I say, I'm sort of, it's a bit left field, but if you, you're looking at this, the only way I see he gets the job is if Chelsea go on and like progress really well in the Champions League. And he would probably hit the 10-game mark before they win it. But the seven to one to reach the final, and he's six to one to be Chelsea boss, the next Chelsea boss. Now Chelsea reaching the final at seven to one gives you the option of Saltor taking them or someone else coming in and taking them. So if you think he can stick around, or if you think he can revive Chelsea in some way, uh, I would rather back them to reach the Champions League final than back him to be the next Chelsea boss. And I appreciate I've just gone well left field and off on a tangent, but he's not for me. But that's the way. If you think he can do something. That's the way I would attack it. It could be shades of Roberto Di Matteo all over again. But Sam, we'll get to the next lesser manager in just a moment. But what about the man who's just been given the boot at the King Power? Brendan Rodgers is also 6-1 to one for the job at Stamford Bridge. Can he move straight out the frying pan and into the fire? Obviously, yeah, there is a Chelsea link there. He's spent time there in the past. Uh, again, it's like I was saying earlier with Enrique. I don't know if it would be the fans' first choice. I don't think with all the money that's been thrown around and obviously what's just happened at Leicester... I think they need a big statement name to come through the door. So I don't think at this moment in time it's the right time for Brendan Rodgers. I think he needs another job almost to 
rebuild himself, maybe go somewhere and end it impress- and impre- have an impressive couple of seasons somewhere else, and then get himself back up there. I do think he's a good manager, but I think the last cu- the last season or so, he- we've not seen the best of Brendan Rodgers. So I don't think it's a good fit for this moment in time. I think someone like Zidane maybe would be would be something that maybe Chelsea fans would be looking at. I know it's a long shot, but they're the sort of names that Chelsea want to be going for. Champions League proven managers, I think. Yeah, I think you're right in terms of Rodgers. I think his stock's too low. If it was Leicester on the ascendancy and Chelsea had a vacancy, then you think, well, actually, you know, Rodgers has done a great job. You know, let's say if it was when Leicester won the FA Cup and finished fifth twice in a row, you'd think that's the time for Rodgers to maybe move on. But yeah. taking to the bottom three, you think, no, there's no chance of that happening. You'd rather put your money on someone like Zidane, a longer punt, more value. But let's hop for it to the East Midlands now and the vacancy at Leicester because Graham Potter has reportedly turned it down. So let's work down the list, Craig. Would you be backing Rafa Benitez to fill this void at four to one? Yeah, I mean, sort of. Firstly, on Potter, if he's turned it down, then fair enough. But to me, I would hope that as a Leicester fan, he was the first port of call. For me, Leicester should have been going to him, asking him to do the same as what he did at Brighton, and just name his price. Because you can see in what he's done at Brighton and what's happened at Chelsea, he was completely. I wanted him to do well at Chelsea, but he was completely the wrong manager for that. He's not got the experience in that. He needs to bring in his own players. He needs to really man-manage them. And he, he's so good, as we saw at Brighton, of sort of bringing in players for 15, 20 million and then selling them on or, or giving them value of 50 million if they're not sold on. Um, that's exactly what Leicester need to do. And to me, Potter's the ideal man for that. So if he's turned it down, fair enough. I can see why he would want to break from management, to be honest, given what's just happened at Chelsea. But if I'm a Leicester fan and they've not gone to him first then I'm probably a bit worried. Um, Elsewhere, to be honest, there's no one on this list that really appeals to me at all. Um, Leicester are in a strange position. They're in a relegation battle, so they've got to get someone in. But if you look at the names who you would see as potentially being good appointments, every one of those names that I've picked out are all people who are not really currently available and will be tough to prize away from where they are at the minute. I think in an ideal world, Leicester are safe at the minute and they don't appoint anyone. And then in the summer, they go to whichever impressive championship manager hasn't been promoted. That could be Michael Carrick, John Dow Thomason, who's at Blackburn, or even go north of the border and go to Celtic and knock on their door for Ange Postecoglou, whose name I can never say. Um, but, you know, all those three could potentially be available in summer, but all those three are not available right now because they're doing too good where they are and they wouldn't want to risk that. So Leicester in a very strange position, in my opinion. Um I sort of I've realised that I've, I've not really answered the question yet while I'm going round, and that's the problem for the Leicester board. You imagine I've just spent here a minute thinking about this on a podcast. What are the Leicester board going to actually do? Because to me, they're going to go. They're going to end up going down the route of someone who's already failed, in my opinion, and that's potentially Jesse Marsh. Who, if you remember, when Southampton went for a coach, um, they did approach Marsh or Marsh approached them, whichever way around. It didn't work out in the end. So he obviously wants to get back into football quickly and he's happy to stay in the Premier League. And that's where I think Leicester are going to end up going. And I don't think it's going to be a good long-term appointment, even if it does keep them up this year. Well, Sam, I mean, you look at the kind of contenders and Craig has rightly said there's contenders, but they're not really realistic right now. I mean, you go past Rafa Benitez, you're looking at someone like Ralph Harsenhutl, who's the only other real name could get in right now to take the job from the weekend onwards. He's 9-1. to one. Is that worth a look? Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at it now. He's even gone up to 14 to 1. Um, so it's big odds. I mean, to be honest with you, there's two fits, and I think it is Rafa Benitez and Ralph Halsenhutl that you'd say are available now. 
I'd personally go for Rafa if I was on the um, if I was on the board. I think Rafa, you know, you kind of know what you're getting. Harsen Hootle, though, to be fair, I don't think he did the worst job at Southampton. I think he's someone that could steady the ship. Um, it's it's such a strange time for Leicester because I think if you look at it from the outside, they're probably from they're probably looking at a buyout at the moment. That's what the, I think. That's what the end goal is for them here uh, over the next season. So I think they're looking to get a buyout. I don't think they're gonna. Be, you know, I don't think they're going to be doing much, much, much better next season. To be quite honest with you, they're in a rebuild process. So, whoever comes into that managerial position now is going to be aware of this. So, they're not going to be aiming too high in terms of managers. So, I think Benitez is someone that can come in, and I think Hassan Hootel. I think they'd be the two at the moment. Like um, Craig said, I think obviously Jesse Marsh is a shout. I can't see Steven Gerrard going for it because if Steven Gerrard goes for it, then he knows if he gets that wrong, he's he's Premier League done essentially. So I think it's between them three. OK, there's two Premier League clashes this very Wednesday evening. So you can have one each. Craig, what's the best bet you can offer the listeners before Manchester United welcome Brentford at Old Trafford? Yeah, maybe an ever so slightly faltering Manchester United as well. Um, they've not had the same spark recently. And I think the main part of that is that the fact that Marcus Rashford, sort of superhero impersonation that we've seen over the past few months, hasn't been there. Um, both teams like to attack. I think this should be a fairly good game to watch. Both teams can also concede. Um, in my opinion, the cornerstone of any bet in this game would be both teams to score. And given that Manchester United are not quite on the on it at the minute, um, I'll combine that with a draw and Brentford to take a point home. So it'd be a draw and both teams to score for me at 4-1. to one. Uh, I could just see this sort of 1-1, one, 2-2, one, two, two, both teams taking a point back with them. Yeah, I like the sound of that, actually. I think I predicted something similar in my bet builder that you can find on the website. But Sam... West Ham, Newcastle, they square off at the London Stadium start as well. What's the best bet you can offer the listeners before kickoff? So, obviously, I'm a Newcastle fan and I've been massively impressed with us in the last few games. We've won the last three games now in the Premier League. Obviously, we put on such a dominant display against Manchester United. So, I'm backing us again to go and win uh, when we go to London. And I also think that Alexander Isaac is going to have two shots on target. So, that's paying 7-2 to two for that bet. I like it a lot there. So all eyes on the top four race, all eyes on the bottom as well. But of course, all eyes on the weekend because we're going bet building once more and it's a massive one. It's Liverpool versus Arsenal and we're going to look to construct another winner. So Craig, as always, I'd like an anytime goal scorer from you, please. Yeah, Arsenal march on trying to win the title and they could well have gold from Gabriel Jesus to rely on once again as they try and lift the Premier League trophy. Um, he's the goal scorer pick for me. He's priced up at 15-8. to eight. First start since injury after two small sub-appearances. It came at the weekend and he scored twice against Leeds. Um, he gives Arsenal a central figure, a vocal point of their attack. And they have done well without him, you know, at the top of the league. But I do just get the feeling they're a better team when he's in there. Um, Liverpool may have kept a clean sheet on Tuesday, but they were poor overall against a, a poor Chelsea team as well. Um, so I'm going to take Arsenal to get a goal at some point in this game. And, and Jesus is the man who I'm going to choose to deliver that. He's 15-8. to eight. Lovely stuff. Sam, I'd like the over-under on the goals, please. Yeah, Craig touched upon it there. It was a stinky game last night, uh, Tuesday. Um, I'm backing under two and a half goals at 11 to 10. Uh, usually I'd go for goals in this one, but having looked back at it, so the last time they met was a 3-2 uh, result for, for Arsenal, Arsenal's favourite, the Emirates. But before that, uh, the last three meetings between the sides have been 0-0. So for me, I'm going to be going for under two and a half goals for the okay. way Liverpool are playing as well. 
yeah, I mean, that's obviously a, a big precursor to how they're going to probably sh- shape on Sunday. A lot of changes, admittedly, in midweek, but there's something not quite there about Liverpool. But I'm going to look at the corner market. And with Liverpool averaging 9.79 corners per game, that's both for and against, and Arsenal averaging 9.72, there's almost no difference between the two sides when you look at this metric. And although there is an abundance of attacking talent technically on show, I'm not too sure how many goals are going to be scored, as you rightly say, Sam. So I'm going to look at sort of just chances, chances that lead to corners. If I go for over nine corners, I only need both sides to really get five each or any other combination that gets just a ten or above. But regardless of how they get to double figures, I don't really care. As long as it's over nine, it's going on the betting slip at, I think, eight to 15. Okay, then, just to recap our three picks then. Craig has gone for Gabriel Jesus to score on Sunday. Sam's gone for under 2.5 total goals. I've gone for over nine corners, which means if you put £10 on the betting slip this week, 16 to 1 are the odds. That's £170 in your back pocket. I hope it gets over the line for you. I hope it gets over the line for us. But let's have a quick chat about the game itself now. Craig, one title rival, made light work of Liverpool last weekend. Can Arsenal do the same and clear another massive hurdle, maybe even the last hurdle in the race for the Premier League title? Uh, Yeah, Dan, I've got to side with Arsenal here. Um, It won't be easy. And I think Liverpool are better at home than they are away. Um, but given how poorly they've looked for the past two games, and, and again, I appreciate that they were both away, I just can't back Liverpool for success, really. Um, they collapsed when City turned on the style last weekend, and against a struggling Chelsea team, um, offered absolutely nothing in that game. I thought that game resembled a pre-season friendly, if I'm being honest, on Tuesday night. Um, it's 29-20 to 20 for an Arsenal win, which is as good as 6-4 to four as you'll get. So, to me, that 6-4 to four looks far better than the 7-4 to four offer for a Liverpool win. Um, I just think Arsenal have a little bit too much quality. Liverpool, yes, they're better at home, but still not quite good enough to win this. It's Arsenal for me at uh, 29 to 20. Okay, then, Sam, when you look at Liverpool and the teams above them in the race for the top four, do you think defeat at Anfield would all but end their hopes of a Champions League return next season? Are they ended already? I think it's ended already, to be honest with you. I'm 95% confident that they're done. Um, Newcastle, I, I really can't see them dropping out of the top four at the moment. They're too sound defensively. Uh, Spurs have got to, I think it's eight points they've got to make up on Spurs Manchester United as much as they've had a little dip in recent weeks without Casemiro as well I still think they've got enough to get over the line and to be quite honest with you I'm not sure they're going to finish above Brighton either uh, I think this is going to be a really really poor ending to the season I think Europa League is as good as they're going to get and even that is going to be a push I mean maybe if you're Jurgen Klopp you think to yourself is Europe or the Europa League, or the Europa Conference League, is it worth the hassle? Why not finish eighth, gain the system, you're fresher for next season? It's happened in the past, so, you know, that theory can work. But Craig, I think that yes, Sam? His, sorry, I could say, with his team selection last night as well, you can maybe see evidence of that. Uh, sorry, his team selection against Chelsea, a lot of players were dropped for that. I think he's possibly already thinking in that sort of way. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually. As I say, Chelsea have mastered that in the past, and I think, you know, there's no... Obviously, there's a shame if you don't get to Europe, but sometimes you look at the greater good. If it means you're challenging for the title, if you win a league the next season, people forget that eighth finish rather quickly. But Craig, let's not forget the half-time, full-time market on Sunday. How do you see this one panning out? Yeah, I like how both of you are assuming that Jurgen Klopp will be at Liverpool next year anyway. Oh, um, he may not be there for uh, for that to plan to come to go ahead anyway. Anyway, um, I think Liverpool, as I sort of just mentioned, Liverpool are slightly better at home. Um, so it wouldn't be a surprise if they gave Arsenal a game. I do think they'll give Arsenal a game here. If it was the other way around, I didn't. I don't really think they would. Um, that could keep it tight for a while. So when I've looked at the odds for this, it's led me towards a draw at half-time and then Arsenal winning at full-time. It's 11-2 to two, that, so 5.5-1. to one. I think it's a very fair price. Um, it's not going to be easy, even though I do think Arsenal will get the uh, win in the end. 
maybe nil-nil after 45 and then Arsenal nicking it with a goal in the second half, um, which sort of ties in with Sam's under 2.5 pick as well. I do think it'll be a, a close, close game this. So, yeah, it'll be draw half-time, Arsenal full-time at 11-2. to two. Now, Sam, if you want to bet on the cards market, how feisty do you think this Easter Sunday clash will be? So, you look at it and you think, yeah, this should be a feisty one. But actually, when you break it down and go into the stats, Liverpool have got the third best disciplinary record in the league. They've only received 35 cards a season over 28 games. Arsenal have got the fifth best disciplinary record in the league with 40 cards in their 28 uh, games. So, yeah, I'll break it down like that and I go, actually, do you know what? I, this might not be the feistiest game. I think Liverpool have lost a little bit of that needle that they've had in previous seasons. Uh, and yeah, I'm actually going to go for unders on the cards here. So I'm looking at under three and a half cards potentially here. Well, yeah, actually that makes sense when you give us the stats like that. I think, as you say, you know, two big guns, you think, oh, actually going to be quite feisty. But you saw it with Liverpool-Man City or Man City-Liverpool last week. wasn't really the case. So sometimes it, leaves, it makes more sense to go on the under. But let's actually now go to our long shot Acker. It makes sense to look anywhere in the world on the hunt for odds between 2-1 to one and 5-1. to one. And Sam, you're up first this week. What have you got for me? So for me, I'm going to be going for Bournemouth to win against Leicester. Now it's 15-4. to four. Obviously, I can totally understand why the odds are fairly big, but I think 15-4 to four is actually a very generous price given this form that we've seen from Leicester in recent weeks. Bournemouth are putting some good performances. They're actually picking up a few wins at the moment and I think Leicester, without a manager as we speak, that is, uh, I think it's going to be a struggle for them this game. And I think, yeah, I just think Bournemouth might look at this and go, do you know what, this is a perfect opportunity for us to actually make some ground in this relegation battle. And yeah, I, just, I think Bournemouth to win is a great price at 15-4. to four. Yes, yeah, a six-pointer there. Craig, where are you giving three points to anyone? Yeah, Premier League as well for me. And I'm going to go with Wolves to beat Chelsea at 3-1. to one. Now, I'm not really taking this bet because of what Wolves have done recently. Uh, they've got one win, one draw and three defeats from the last five games. But I do really fancy them here. Um, Chelsea are there for the taking as far as I'm concerned. So what I was looking for on Tuesday was a bit of a reaction from Chelsea. Um, maybe to show us that you know things weren't going right under Graham Potter and show us that he was at fault. Um, but instead, we got a performance from a team that, that have got no identity at the minute. They don't know how to play. They're lacking in direction. And I think that goes from the top all the way down. I think this club's a bit muddled at present. Um, I think the best way to describe Chelsea, and this is something that sounds completely wrong, but when you listen to it, it does sound right. Um, they've got too many players, and they're also lacking a few pieces. Um, it's bizarre to say that, but it's true with Chelsea. They're lacking in certain areas, but they've got such a huge squad that I just think it's all a bit muddled. Um, they think the solution is throwing money to it, and actually it's not. Wolves picked up a point away at Forest last weekend, not too long back. I'm sure you'll remember this well, Dan. Um, they nicked three points from Tottenham, keeping things tight and taking the chance that they got. Um, they'll fancy this, and, and so they should. So I just think Wolves will beat Chelsea. Three to one, I think it's a massive price. OK, then, I'm going to go to the other end of the UK football spectrum. I'm off to Scotland's League Two, as Albion Rovers play host to Elgin. It's 10th, playing host to 9th, and both teams are in desperate need of a win. The hosts have lost each of the last three, the visitors each of the last five, and this means Bonnie Rigg-Rose, who got promoted last season, have leapfrogged the pair into eighth and almost safety. So we've got Saturdays offering two teams that are down on their luck, and Elgin know they cannot sleepwalk into the bottom spot and a relegation playoff that comes with it, which means although they've lost their last five, I believe their dreadful run stops on Saturday, and this is why I'm backing the away win odds of 2-1. to one. And of course, check out freebets.com for all the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. 
Right, let's focus on some more Premier League topics now. And first up, it's the Saturday lunchtime game between Manchester United and Everton. Obviously, we don't know what happens at Old Trafford in midweek. But Craig, what's your betting hunch for this weekend's clash? Yeah, I've, I've picked a Manchester United draw for the game on Wednesday, but I do think they can get back to winning ways when they play Everton on Saturday. Uh, four unbeaten for Everton, playing better away from home now than what they were a few weeks back. Uh, points at Chelsea and Nottingham Forest. But for me, this is a bit of a different test for them. Um, and at some point, Manchester United will get back to winning ways. Uh, they will pick up a little bit, and I think that'll be Saturday. They are only 1-2 to two in the betting, uh, which is a bit short, but for longer odds, and given how Everton play and try and keep things tight, you know, they are going to go here and just put men behind the ball. Um, combine that with sort of Manchester United not quite firing. And I think although Manchester United win is 1-2, to two, if you up it and put it with under 2.5 goals, that becomes 11-4, to four, which is far, far more appealing for me. Uh, I just think it'll be a, a, a narrow win. Uh, Manchester United will just edge this game. Everton will give them a, a good fight, but ultimately Manchester United are too good. So, yeah, combine it with under 2.5 goals. And that gives you 11-4 to 4 odds. Well, Sam, result aside, over-under for Saturday lunchtime, can I tempt you with evens for under 2.5? Absolutely, mate. Obviously, Craig just touched upon it there. I think this is prime damage ball we're going to see in effect this weekend. Uh, I just think, like you said, Craig, um, they're not firing at the moment, Manchester United. And I think Everton at this moment in time, what, we, what we've seen with Everton is at home, obviously, they're a lot stronger team. There's not as many goals at Goodison Park. They actually do. Um, actually, there's quite a few goals when they, go, when they go on the road generally. But I think this is a completely different sort of setup. this one here. I think Dyke's just going to look to frustrate Manchester United, stop them from scoring. I think he'd be happy taking a draw from Old Trafford. OK, then let's go to Aston Villa. They play host to Nottingham Forest at the weekend. Craig, Villa have not lost any of their last six now. I think it's, what, 16 points from 18? Forest haven't won any of their last eight. Is this one as simple as adding the host to your weekend accumulator or to four to six? Yeah, it certainly is for me. Uh, plenty of reasons to back Aston Villa at the moment and very few to back Nottingham Forest. Uh, Villa in seventh. European football, if things ended as of now. Uh, five wins and a draw from the last six. Four of those wins came with a clean sheet as well. Um, only Leicester scoring past them on Tuesday night uh, is, is the one blip to that. I did say last week that Forest could be in deep trouble by the time we get to this show and they've got just one point um, and two pretty poor performances as well. Uh, from the two games where they play Wolves and then Leeds on Tuesday. Um, it's not good enough. They need a win from somewhere. Uh, too many of their relegation rivals are now picking up the odd win, whereas Forrest aren't. I just don't see it coming here, though. I think this is one that Aston Villa can win. Really impressed with Villa sort of quietly going about their business and just finding ways to win, racking up the points, uh, keeping clean sheets, as I've said. Uh, yeah, Aston Villa for me in this one, definitely. Now, Sam, Ollie Watkins is certainly the man of the moment for Aston Villa. Would he be your pick of the bunch when it comes to the anytime scorer market? You can currently get 7-4 to four for the former Brentford man to find that net once again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure there's a more informed striker in the Premier League at this moment in time. Uh, eight goals in his last 10 appearances for Watkins in the league. For me, he's on fire at the moment. So, yeah, you've got to say that is value. Now, next up, Leicester are in the spotlight and it must be another six-pointer at home to Bournemouth. Again, Craig, the midweek game's getting away slightly, but what's the tale of the tape for the meeting at the King Power? Yeah, both beaten at home in midweek, um, both firmly in the relegation fight and in desperate need of points. On paper, if you look at these two teams on paper, then I think Leicester have got a clear advantage. Um, I just wonder whether Leicester sort of needed a freshen up, some new ideas, a new voice giving instructions... Um, to get them up the table and where they should be, really. I'm not saying Leicester are any world beaters, but they shouldn't be involved in the relegation zone. They should be slightly above that. 
Um, they're odds on. They're four to five, which really doesn't appeal to me. But I'm still going to have to go with a Leicester win. Um, they've got home advantage. Bournemouth have had two home wins in the last four games, but two poor performances and away losses in the other two. Uh, they didn't play very well at all in those. Um, it's risky because, you know, Leicester maybe are in, in deep trouble. But I just get the feeling that they just need a, not necessarily a better voice, just a, a new, fresh voice going in the, that dressing room, uh, new ideas. Um, so I'm going to take Leicester to, to sneak this one for me. OK, then, Sam, with Leicester being in this state of flux at the moment, you've already backed Bournemouth to win earlier in the show. So with that in mind, do you reckon Leicester could actually be for the drop? I think so, mate. Yeah, I think so. Um, it depends, obviously, like Craig said, it depends on who this new voice that comes in is. Uh, the way I'm looking at it, Leeds, I think the new manager's actually come in there and he's actually, I think he's picked them up quite a bit. I look at the teams around them. There's certain teams that I do worry about. I don't actually worry for Everton as much now they've got Sean Dyke through the door. But the teams that I particularly worry about at the moment, obviously Southampton, Forest, and you know what, potentially West Ham. There's something about West Ham at this moment in time that does actually bother me as well. But then Leicester gets thrown in there. There's four, they're the four teams that bother me. But yeah, I think Leicester fans, if I'm looking at the league table right now, I'm very worried. Now next up, we go to North London and what could be a Champions League berth eliminator. Tottenham versus Brighton and Craig, the Seagulls won their last season. Would you be racing to back them to do the same out of 17 to 10? Yeah, I was really hoping that we'd see a reaction from Tottenham on Monday night um, to, to Antonio Conte leaving. But that just didn't come, did it, really? Um, same old sort of poor quality stuff. I don't think they deserved a win, even when they were ahead. And they took just one point away from Everton. Everton is a tough place to go. Um, but I was really disappointed with Tottenham. Um, I was expecting much more. Now, this should be a very different game, though. One of the things that I will say about this that sort of does favour Tottenham, I think it'd be very different. I think Brighton will come and they will attack. They won't try and defend and keep things tight. Um, and I think Spurs are a team that like to play on the break and they're naturally set up to counter-attack, even if they're the better side. And that does put them in awkward positions when they go away to the likes of Everton. This suits them better than that, better than a side putting sort of men behind the ball and asking Spurs to come at them. I think it'll be an entertaining one, actually. Um, I can't back Spurs for the win. I do think Brighton will get something, though. So I'm going to go with a draw, 5-2. to two. Uh, Been impressed with what Brighton do. Tottenham are still not at it, but I do think this game will suit them a bit better. Um, so I'm going to go with a draw here, five to two. Yeah, I mean, looking at Tottenham's odds, they're what three to two to win at home. I think that's either great value in inverted commas, or it's a measure of where they are right now. There's no bookmaker confidence in them at the moment. So you, if you want to be bold, back Spurs. But I'd be more willing to keep the fire in my back pocket to be honest after watching them on Monday because they're a goal up, they're a man up, they revert to type, and just think you know they've just had a change of manager, albeit someone back in charge from earlier in the season. And they've just done nothing different. So I just don't see I'd be in a rush to, to back Spurs at home, even as a Spurs fan. You know, bias aside, I'm not interested. But Sam, are you interested from a result and both teams score point of view? Where do you think this game is going to head? Yeah, so for me, um, I actually think the value is in what Craig just said there, the draw. Uh, both teams to score and draw is 3-1. to one. Just the draw on itself is 5-2. to two. So for me, looking at it, uh, I'm more likely to go with the draw just because there's not much in the price difference. But... If you wanted to go both teams to, to score a draw, you could look at it and go, yeah, do you know what? Spurs' last two games have ended 3-3 three, three and one all. So that you know that would obviously say that, yeah, both teams to score and draw is a good value bet there. Uh, I think it is going to be a draw. I think the two quite evenly matched teams when they're on it. Uh, Brighton, like Craig said, are going to look to go and take the game to Spurs. Spurs at home need to get a result here. Uh, but I'm just not sure, given what we've seen over the last few weeks, that they're going to get a win. So I think a draw could be where this game ends up. 
I guess in a sense, the draw is the result that neither team wants, really. I mean, should they draw, they take points of each other. They both need maximum points, but maybe they're going to undercut each other and ruin both hopes for the Champions League top four finish. But enough about that, because now I want a correct score bet from you both. It doesn't matter where it is in the world. I just want that outcome spot on. So Craig, you're up first. What have you got for me? Yeah, it's the game we've just talked about, actually. Um, and, and sort of as Sam's just alluded to, I, I, I do think it'd be a draw. And I do think there'll be goals in it. So it's Tottenham 2, Brighton 2, which is 14-1. to one. Uh, Brighton are back scoring again. They, they were very good scorers sort of a couple of months ago. Then had a slight dip, but now they're back. Uh, 12 goals in the last five games. And they have been involved in 2-2 and 3-3 draws recently as well. Um, this game style should suit Spurs. It should also suit goals. Um, I think, as I said, Spurs are good enough to get a point, but not good enough to win it. Um, Brighton... They don't really want a point, but it's not the worst point in the world. Um, as I said, just think it's going to be a draw, but do think there'll be goals. So, 2-2, 14-1 for me. OK, then, Sam, what correct score are you hoping for this weekend? So, I'm going to go for my boys, Newcastle, to get the win uh, when they go to London. I think it's going to be 2-0 to Newcastle. That's paying 8-1. to one. Obviously, Newcastle, the clean sheet masters in the league. You can say I'm being biased in this one, but I've just seen enough in us to think that we're going to get results. I think West Ham are going to struggle to break us down. And yeah, I think 2-0 looks like a good bet for me. Solid shout there. And of course, check out freebets.com for the best insight and betting tips ahead of this weekend. Right, let's pop up some more Premier League headlines now. First up, we're off to Molyneux as Wolves play host to Chelsea. Craig, after Chelsea's ball draw, I take it nothing's going to tempt you to back them to win on Saturday. No, it definitely won't, Dan, no. Um... The, the one thing that I would have been interested in is if, if Chelsea sort of came out and won on uh, on Tuesday night to show a reaction, to show that maybe it was Graham Potter. Um, but I, I didn't think it was. And their performance on Tuesday night sort of further emphasised that, really. As I sort of said earlier on in, in the show, to me, Chelsea are lacking in direction uh, from right at the top all the way down to the bottom. They've got such a big squad. They've got players coming in left, right and centre. But despite that, they've still got key areas of their squad missing. How can you spend so much money and not have a top-class striker up front that's sort of guaranteed as such to to get your goals? Um, Not necessarily overly enthused by what Wolves have done recently, but I just think at three to one, they're a very fair price to to beat a team that's sort of in no man's land. And and as well as sort of being in no man's land, they've only got a temporary boss in charge at the minute. Um, That doesn't help either, I don't think. So it's just just Chelsea are just showing nothing for me. So um, yeah, the long shot picks Wolves to beat Chelsea at three to one, and I'll stick with that. Okay, and Sam, when looking at the first goal scorer market in the West Midlands, who would you be backing to break the deadlock at Molyneux? Craig just reflects on it there. Um, neither team really has a proven goal scorer. Chelsea's top scorer this season is Kai Havertz. He's only got seven goals. Uh, Daniel Podence is the top scorer for Wolves. Uh, six, uh, sorry, he scored six goals this season. I'm going to be going for him. He's 11 to one to score the first goal. I also think that Wolves can get something from this game. Uh, I think they're going to be the team that's probably going to get the first goal as well. So Daniel Podence to me looks the most, uh, most likely option at 11 to one. Okay, then Saturday also sees Southampton play host to Manchester City. It is an opportunity, at least on a temporary basis, for Pep's men to reduce the gap to five points. So, Craig, does a win in over 2.5 total goals at odds of 4-5 to five seem a good starting point from a betting angle? Yeah, it does, yeah. I like a City win here. And I think when City are on form, the over 2.5 bet is, is pretty much a given in, in many circumstances. 
Um, I thought they started slowly last week against Liverpool and didn't really get a hold of the game for, for probably the first 20 minutes or so. But when they came good, they scored four goals. Um, they've got so many attacking options. Let's not forget, they did all that without Erling Haaland as well. Um, so whether he does or doesn't play, does that really change the bet much? No, I'm not sure it, I'm not sure it does. Um, I just don't think Southampton can cope here. I expect Southampton to dig in, uh, try and get something, you know, They'll, they'll play essentially play for a nil-nil, I expect. Um, but I think City's just going to have so much of the ball, they're going to ultimately overpower them and then kick away and go clear. So, yeah, I do think City will win and I do think they'll be over 2.5 goals. Now, Sam, the Saints did beat City in the League Cup at St Mary's earlier in the season. I'm putting this one into the atmosphere. How does 12-1 to for a shock home win sound to you? Do you know what? They've got a tendency to turn up against the big teams. Obviously, like you said, they've beaten City already this season. Beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in February, if you can remember. And also picks up draws against Tottenham and Manchester United in March. So they are more than capable of going to places and getting a result. And obviously they're in dire need of results at this moment in time. Uh, I'm not totally convinced on the 12-1 to for a win, but double chance is 10-3. And to be fair, draw no bet, 9-1. to That's a big price. So obviously if they get the draw, you don't get anything back. But 9-1 to still for the win and you get that extra security. Or if it's a draw, you get your money back. So maybe draw no bet could be the one at nine to one. Yeah, I think actually that insurance policy, that's a great shout. Just as you say, you know, nothing gained if it's a draw. But, you know, if they do do the, the business, nine to one, not a bad price at all. But Sunday is another massive battle at the bottom because Leeds host Crystal Palace. And Craig, could the draw be the best direction of travel? Odds of 12 to five. Yeah, sorry, Dan, I'm just laughing over it at the minute. Sam's just been talking about big teams and mentioned Tottenham. Oi, 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 oi. Yeah, I know. <laughs> can't believe it. Um, <laughs> anyway, on, on to this game. Um, I'm going to give Leeds the edge here. Uh, I thought they played fairly well on Tuesday night against Nottingham Forest. It was only 2-1 if, if you look at the scoreline, but in the second half, they had quite a few chances. And to be honest, it was disappointing that they didn't finish them. But they could have easily buried that game and won 3-1, maybe even 4-1. Um, Sinistieri, Bamford, both had really, really good opportunities late on in that game, but didn't take them. Um, Palace, they won their first game under Roy Hodgson at the weekend. That was a big relegation game. And now it's another big relegation game. Um, as we sort of mentioned last week on the podcast, when Hodgson came in, he's got so many big games coming up this month, it's going to make or break their season. Um, but look back at what we've said in the past. Historically, how many times have we mentioned on this podcast, Crystal Palace are a different team at home to what they are away last season, this season. Um, I'm going to take Leeds in this one, given that they've got home advantage. They're 21-20, to 20, which is just over-evens. And I think a Leeds win here puts a bit of daylight between themselves and the relegation zone. So I think they'll be up for it, and I think they'll win. Now, Sam, by the same theory, would you be tempted by under 2.5 goals and both teams scoring at odds of 11-2? I guess that's the equivalent of a one-all draw. Would you take that, or do you smell a winner somewhere? It's a difficult one, this. I know Craig just said it there. The home form for Leeds is such a big thing. But obviously, there's a new manager uh, over at uh, Crystal Palace there. Roy Hodgson saw got the result in his first game. I think it's going to be a really, really cagey game. I think a draw could be a, a good shout here. One-all. I think both teams' score maybe is there. But yeah, I don't see there being much over two and a half goals. I can see one all being the, as high as the score is going to get. So yeah, I'd be tempted by that, to be fair. OK, then two teams who played on Wednesday face each other on Sunday. Brentford versus Newcastle. Craig, what's the best bet you've got lined up for this one? Yeah, for me, this is the toughest game of the weekend to solve. Um, I like both teams. And I think we're seeing both of them play fairly well at the moment as well. 
I think Newcastle are playing better than Brentford at the moment. But then I think that's sort of balanced out by the fact Brentford are at home for this one. Um, it's a game where I'd love to give you a great prediction, but all I'm going to do is sit on the fence, to be honest, Dan. Um, I think the draw at 12-5 to doesn't really suit either team, but I just think both of them are playing fairly well at the minute. As I said, Newcastle are playing slightly better, but Brentford are at home, which I think balances things. Um, draw for me in this one, 12-5. to OK, then Sam, Fulham play host to another team who are active on Wednesday, that being West Ham. What's the best bet you had before the match at Craven Cottage? So, Mitrovic is obviously suspended. Fulham done the same team without him leading the line. Uh, the Cottages have lost all of the last three games in the league now and losing to Bournemouth last time out is further evidence of the slump that they find themselves in. So, yeah, for me, I'll probably be going more towards uh, Fulham uh, losing this game here. Now, I've got a theory about Fulham between now and the end of the season. They're on the beach. As you rightly say, Sam, Mitrovic suspended till God knows when. It's all kind of falling apart. Not falling apart, but they've hit the, the remit really early. Everything they do from here on in, even if they finish 16th, there's no shame in that. All they want to do is stay up. Obviously, they kind of yeah. flirted with Europe just very, very slightly. But there's always one team that kind of gets on the deck chairs about now. It's usually Crystal Palace, but I think it's now Fulham. So really, between here and the end of the season, I'll be backing against Fulham in every game. The bookies might catch on the next couple of weeks, but certainly in the next month or so, always against Fulham. But that's all the Premier League chat. We've got a quick trip to the Scottish Premiership, though. The Celtic play Rangers in the final Old Firm derby before the split. So, Craig, can the Hoops all but secure a second successive league title at 7-10? Is this a worthwhile bet in your eyes? Yes, it is, Dan, definitely, yes. Um, I think Celtic win this and they go on to win the title. Um, even if they don't win this, I, I think they still sort of win the title anyway. Um, the golfing class, probably both on the pitch... And I would also maybe add in the dugout as well. Uh, seems a little bit too big this year, Celtic having the advantage over Rangers. Um, we've seen them be set consistent all season, especially at home. So, you know, Celtic are absolutely flying. Um, they should have enough to sort of wrap things up here, win this game, and then sort of start counting down the days to lifting the title. I think even if this game's got no importance at all, Celtic fans will still be up for it and still be winning this game. But the fact that it has got that bit of extra importance just to sort of kick another three points clear... Um, yeah, Celtic for me all day long. Now, Sam, on the flip side, Rangers simply have to go for this one. So is there value in backing Michael Bill's men to keep the title race alive with an away win, odds of 7-2? to two? You could say there's value there because anything can happen in an all-firm derby. We've seen that over the years. Um, I'm, I'm with Craig. I do actually side with Celtic, but you can't say there's not actually value there. But obviously, we've got to touch upon, while we're talking about this game, that the, the, gulf, the difference in gulf between Celtic and Rangers now and the rest of the league. I mean, Celtic, third place, they've got a 40-point advantage after 30 games against third-place Hearts. And Rangers have got 29 points over them. Celtic have only dropped five points in 30 games a season. Um, yeah, I mean, Scottish football at this moment in time, it's in a bit of a strange place. I think, I think I'd like to see something happen over the next few years, but I don't know what can happen, but it's just, they're just running away with Celtic and Rangers now. It's, it's getting a bit ridiculous. Well, I mean, this has been the duopoly for, what, 36 years or something stupid like that? I mean, even in yeah. the, the most short term, Celtic and Rangers, both in the Champions League, is probably the worst thing to happen to the Scottish Premiership because they're getting the prize money that comes with being the Europe's elite competition, but that's not funneling through to the likes of Motherwell, Kilmarnock, Aberdeen. So the chasm that was already big has got even bigger and they've got no sort of vested interest in changing the way the money is split or the way the, the uh, league is scheduled because they obviously play each other three times in a split. So, you know, obviously they're not going to want to give away their power. So they're kind of caught as a whole 
the Scottish Premiership in this weird logjam that no one can break. And it's kind of, where do you go from here? The only real break you could ever have is a European Super League where they join a third tier of that and then it kind of opens up Scottish football, but then you weaken the product. It's an absolute mess. We haven't got time to fix that. I don't think Craig really cares, to be fair. But anyway, let's move on, because now it's time for our final bit of business. It's the odds on threefold. We'll pick a leg each. We can bind it in, into an acre, try and go for bets over one to two, but less than evens. And let's see if we can get another winner over the line. So, Craig, you're up first. What have you got for me? Yeah, it's the championship for me, and this is on Friday. Good Friday, the game. Um, it's Stoke to beat Bristol City at three to four. So, Stoke looking, sort of, just looking at the table, but... Mid-table obscurity at the minute, um, but don't take your eyes off them. Don't take your eyes off Stoke at all. They're doing some very, very good things. Uh, three wins and two draws from the last five games. The wins have come away at Sunderland, at home to Blackburn, and away at Stoke. Uh, they won away at Sunderland 5-1. They won away at Coventry last weekend 4-0. Uh, two teams, who, at the time of those games being played, absolutely desperate for playoff points. Um, the draws have been against top sides too. They've drawn at home to Norwich, and even more impressive than that, They've drawn away at Middlesbrough. They're one to keep in your sort of back of your mind for next season and see how they do next season. But in this form, they're one to back this season as well. Bristol City are also in mid-table, but they generally do look like a mid-table team. Uh, one win in six. They lost away at Luton and Swansea recently, and they could only draw at home to Reading last weekend. Um, he's stoked to win this for me. I think they're going to have a very good end to the season and a very interesting team to watch for next season. Um, they're three to four. Really catching my eye at the minute, despite having nothing to play for. So stoked to beat Bristol City. OK, then, Sam, what have you got up your sleeve? So sticking with the Premier League, I'm going for Aston Villa to win uh, against Nottingham Forest. I'm 16 points in the last six games for Villa. Absolutely flying at this moment in the inside. Nottingham Forest, they've lost four Premier League games in a row now away from home. And the eight games without a win in the league as well. So, 8-13, to 13, I think it's a solid price there. Me too. I'm off to the Scottish Premiership as Aberdeen play host to Kilmarnock. The Dons were certainly indifferent under previous manager Jim Goodwin, but interim boss Barry Robson has really turned the corner at Patodri. Whereas relegation may have been a threat a couple of months ago, a place in Europe now looks really likely at the start of next season. And considering opponents Kilmarnock have not won any of their last 18 away league outings, even the return of former Aberdeen boss Derek McInnes is not going to stop the home win at 17-20. to 20. Right, that brings us to full time, so I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website. And now, I just need to thank my duo of top guests. Craig, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, thanks very much, Dan. Uh, looking forward to a, an extended weekend of football here. We've got uh, the EFL Friday and Monday with the Premier League sandwiched in the middle Saturday, Sunday. So four days and there's some cracking games all over the place. There really is. I can't wait for it myself. And Sam, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Not a problem. Pleasure to be with you as always, guys. I'm looking forward to see which two Premier League managers uh, depart this weekend. Cheers, mate. And also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>